Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. Here on Modern Mom Probs, we try to solve the world's problems, or at least we have fun talking about them. Today's topic is how to start responding instead of reacting to your kids with Stephanie Rosenfield. Stephanie Rosenfield is a former speech pathologist turned life coach who helps overwhelmed moms navigate the internal and external chaos that often creeps up during motherhood without them losing their Using firsthand experience in training as a certified life coach and an honest, judgment free approach, Stephanie helps moms shift their habits and their mindset to be a little calmer. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I'm so excited to be chatting with you because I love the work that you do. I love your five-minute shift for moms podcast. We're going to be talking about that in a second. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I started my career, as you mentioned, as a speech therapist. So I had this strong background in early childhood development. And during that time, I was supporting right kids and, and pediatric patients. And I noticed there was this huge gap between the support that the kids were getting that were that was so needed and sort of the lack of support that the parents, specifically moms, were getting. And these moms would would just be so overwhelmed and isolated and after becoming a mom myself, I realized that a huge contributor to that overwhelm was, first of all, the vast amount of expert information being thrown at moms, the blogs, the posts, these experts, and also the, the, the comparison to others. And when I had my first son, who's now six, I, I thought I'd be great. Like hashtag goals. I have a background in early childhood development. I am going to like kill this mom thing. But a few months into it, you, you probably would have seen pictures of me on social media and been like, wow, like she's doing awesome. But internally, I felt like I was failing. I was stressed. I was anxious. I started worrying about things that I never used to worry about. And my my son, he never really, especially at first, he, he always marched by the beat of his own drum. From an early age, I noticed that he liked to jump and crash and do things that other kids weren't necessarily doing. And we were sat down at his like toddler program, you know, when he was like 18 months, just with a discussion about how he couldn't really be like left alone, needed to be monitored, which really contributed to my feeling of like, what is, what's wrong with me? I have this background. Am I doing something wrong here? And I thought that things would just get better, right? Like time goes on, things get better, but, but it, it didn't. And the only thing that was available to me at the time was, my background, which wasn't helping in the moment, these tips and tricks that also, right, these experts giving me all this information, which only made me feel like I was failing more. So I recognized that I needed something to change. And what needed to change was filling in the missing link. I had this background in early childhood development, but I didn't have the tools to be able to manage my emotional responses in stressful situations. 
right? I To keep my cool, to not react, to not feel frustrated when the sink was full and, and, and yell at someone, to not feel terrible about myself. So that's when I found coaching and I started my journey. I got certified as a life coach and also certified as a nervous system practitioner to combine the mindset with the body work. So since then, I've been using my tools with my pediatric background, the life coaching certification and nervous system certification to help myself and now over a hundred moms be able to feel like they're enjoying motherhood more and just, just happier, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Completely makes sense. Your story resonates with me so much. Because I feel like, I mean, aside from your background of, of being a speech pathologist, like your situation with your son is similar to what we had with my son when, when he was younger. And you think that you're going to come out of the gate and like absolutely crush it, like you said. And then you're going to try to use the script that they give you. I'm using they, right? They give you in quotes. And when those don't work, you feel like a failure. You're like, why? is my child not responding to the scripts like they're supposed to, right? Yeah. And then you start to yes. question yourself and then you question them and then you realize like, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's like because they're neurodivergent and maybe those scripts aren't intended for neurodivergent children. So there is a lot of sometimes guilt and shame in not really knowing what's going on until you sort of find out what's going on or learn more about what's going on to sort of like push through so that you, like you could feel good about your parenting and, and you could feel good about, about where your children are in time. hundred percent. Right. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yes. A lot of my clients come to me in similar situations where they've tried the tool, right? There's so much information out there nowadays and there's so many experts and people telling us how to, I use air quotes, how to parent or what to say and how to do it. And when that doesn't work, which it doesn't for a lot of people, it can just add to your a mom's feeling of failure. Like there's something wrong because this thing that this expert's telling me to do isn't working. Right, right. And so for me personally, what I found has helped the most is focusing on my relationship with my child and building him up appropriately and then building myself up as a parent and as an individual, right? And so then when we're building each other up, then magical things happen. And, and I'm so grateful for the work that I do and I get to talk to wonderful people like you. And that's how I've learned that lesson. And, and so, like I said, tips and tricks don't always work with us. You know, scripts don't always work with us. But what does work with us is building him up in such a way and building myself up in such a way as, as a mother and, and the way that we set up our relationship has made all the difference. I love that. And I think that's so true. And when we do talk about my like buckets of emotional management, that sort of falls into one of the buckets that I teach my clients. Yes. Okay. So perfect segue. I was just about to say, Steph, in your work, you talk about the three buckets of emotional management. Can you walk me through that? Yes. Okay. So when I talk about emotional management, I don't mean being like calm, Zen master mommy when chaos is happening around you. I mean, being in control of yourself in the face of a really tricky situation. So instead of going from zero to panic, that you create more space for choice and control. So I think of these three buckets sort of as like three legs of a table. If one, if one leg is shorter, the table is going to be wobbly. So filling the bucket, each leg creates a sturdy table. 
And these three buckets that I came up with, it's based on self-application, using this with over 100 clients and using my certifications to sort of come up with this. And I really want to preface this by saying when I go through each bucket, this isn't meant to be used 100% of the time in every single situation in every relationship. I certainly don't, and that's impossible. And I really want to emphasize that, especially with our discussion about things that do or don't work for us, because we're never going to reach 100%. And that's not the goal. So the first bucket is what I like to call emotional diffusion. This is being in the face of a triggery situation, like feeling your body tense, like you're about to blow. And I use the example of one of my clients came to me and she has three kids and she went into a bedroom and there was a glitter bomb that went off and a parent's worst nightmare is a glitter bomb, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So you talk about going from like, zero to panic. And the thing is, as humans, we play off each other. So the moment that you're dysregulated or you're reacting, it automatically creates more dysregulation, more bigger emotions in the people around you, in this case, her kids. So the things that we talked about, the first step of emotional diffusion is what I like to call the Ferris Bueller freeze. Have you ever seen the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I love that movie. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So do you know how he like looks at the camera and talks to the camera and everything around him freezes? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the first step of emotional diffusion is to do the Ferris Bueller freeze. When you're in the moment, this triggery thing happened. There's a glitter bomb. Someone's saying no. The time is, is clocking and kids aren't listening. And it's to do the Ferris Bueller freeze where you just take a hot second. This doesn't have to be 30 seconds. It's literally like two to three seconds where everything around you stops and you just freeze. Step two of emotional diffusion after you freeze is to name the feeling, name that feeling that you're feeling. I am feeling angry. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I am just so confused. Like whatever it is that you're feeling in that moment. And then step three is what I like to call shifting the story, right? In that moment with the mom with the glitter bomb, she told me, she was like, I was thinking that they, no one was admitting to it. She's like, they're all liars. They're going to grow up and be lying to authority. I've raised a bunch of terror, like all this, all these things in her head. Right. And when we can shift the story to even not, and we don't want to like, not gaslighting ourselves being like, this is okay. I got this. It's just like, this is a really tricky moment. I'm going to figure out how to handle it. We are going to get through it. So many other moms experience the same thing. Lying is a normal part of of childhood. Like you could imagine if like a boss came to you and was like, did you do this? And at your place of work, you'd be like, no. (laughs) Of course, because you're going to cover yourself for that. Right? So when you are able to emotionally diffuse, and again, this doesn't mean feeling happy and calm. It just means giving yourself more choice. You're able to not react, but rather decide how do I want to respond here? Because you're sort of buying yourself time. Is that what it is? Are you buying yourself time to calm your body in order to make a clear decision? Yes. You're buying yourself time and and making a choice. So that mom had a couple of choices, right? What we know, this comes along with like child development too. What we know is that if you want to teach your kids the lesson that you want to teach your discipline, It doesn't happen in that high stress moment. It doesn't happen when they're on guard or they're feeling they're in their fight, flight, freeze, right? It doesn't happen when you're there either. That lesson is taught when people are back to baseline, probably out of the moment, later. So it gives you time to decide, 
okay, is this something I want to address now? I know I'm going to address it later. Right now, I'm just going to call. You know, it, it gives you time to figure out what is the next step here that I choose versus that it's happening to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's giving you more of like an onus of control than otherwise you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot yes. of sense. And I, I know that timing is so important with kids when you're speaking with kids, especially with discipline, actually just about anything. Timing is so important. And that's something that I've only learned the older that my son has gotten is that, you know, I would like mention things when he was either not regulated or what, whatever it is. And, and I've thought to myself, that's, that was not it. That was not how I wanted to approach that. Even if I was regulated and he wasn't regulated. And I think you're right is that you need to buy time until everyone comes back down to baseline, find the right timing to bring up whether it's discipline or a different lesson that you want to chat with. And then you could do it. Does that make sense about, about the timing? Yeah. Yeah. That sort of goes in. So the second bucket, it was, what I like to call different communication. So once you're able to figure out, okay, how can I have control over how I feel? The next step is to learn how to communicate differently. And like, no one ever taught us how do I communicate effectively with my like most personal relationships. This is modeled to us. I think we're either what I see and what I found with myself, it's I either conflict react or I run away. Yes. We're not going <laughs> to even talk about this. Two different like, things. Yep. Yep. I agree. Like total polar right? opposites of that situation. Right. So for example, I have another client who has two kids. And what she would do is she would cook dinner every night, right? She would cook dinner every night and her kids would be playing in the basement. She would make this dinner and she would yell downstairs, time for dinner. No one would listen to her time for dinner. No one would listen to her. I'm making this dinner. No one listens to me. They're so disrespectful. And she would go downstairs and get angry. And when we talked about different communication, I talk about like, how would you as an adult want to be communicated with in a similar situation? For example, let's say you're watching your favorite show on Netflix, right? The Bears, like one of mine right now. I think that's Hulu actually, right? But whatever it is, you're into it, right? You're into it. And all of a sudden your partner or someone comes over to you and was like, didn't you hear? I said, we had to go put your shoes on. You'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like watching this show. My All my attention was on that. It's really hard for humans to pay attention to more things at once. What's likely happening is that her kids are playing and they're really into it and they, it's not this like disrespectful mm-hmm. action. It's not intentional. They're not being intentionally disrespectful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're in a yes. flow state, right? Because like when you're <laughs> watching the bear, like you're in a flow state. You you are feeling yeah. that story, right? You are you are yes. in the restaurant. You are there with them, and and so it's hard to pull you out of that. And and I I agree a hundred percent. I know that when I was a little kid, this sounds silly, but I'll tell the story anyway. Every night when my mom made dinner, she would call me for dinner, just like you said. And every night I had to go, uh, I'll just say potty. I had to go potty every night before we had dinner. And she would always be like, why do you go to the bathroom every night before dinner? I was like, she's like, why don't you think to go like way before that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. That's just like when I remember that I need to go. And it's like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful for to come to the table late. It's just that like I'm playing and I'm in a flow state. And when you stop my flow state, that's when I realize I have to go potty before I eat my dinner. But it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, my mom is not into this stuff at all. So (laughs) I'm saying into, you know, into reparenting yourself or conscious parenting because I was firmly a child of the 80s. 
But having said that, like now that I see that example in my mind, like I would never say that to my son, you know, about, about, you know, why do you go to the bathroom? Because like, I know what he's doing. He's in flow state. He's, he's in that world with the Legos and he's doing that thing. And I think it's important for us to respect that. And you're a hundred percent right. Like if, if people talk to us many times, the way that we talk to kids, we would be taken back as well. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I love the comparison to a flow state because it's so true. And I think when we can think about times when we're in a flow state, you're writing an email and your partner walks in and tries to have a conversation with you. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm really, I just need to finish this email. Right. Or you're reading a book or something where you're in a state of flow and someone just comes in and tells you these things that you need to do right then. That's relatable to when your kids are doing something similar. So one of the things that I talk about with different communication, right, is how would you want to be communicated with in a similar situation? And this is really like nonverbal, making eye contact, your tone of voice, your facial expressions, how you speak, all of those nonverbal cues. So what she tried the next night was going downstairs, right, instead of yelling from upstairs, going downstairs, touching them on the shoulder, making eye contact, using a gentle tone of voice, right? Right. And what she saw was that there was more compliance, like there was more compliance, there was more listening, right? Because of how she communicated with them makes them just like you, makes them want to listen more, if that makes sense. This episode is brought to you by Modern Mom Style Box. Upgrade your wardrobe and enjoy unlimited styles for just $60 a month. Modern Mom Style Box is the first rental clothing subscription designed exclusively for moms and moms-to-be. Get started today with a free trial. Use promo code PTO. It 100% makes sense. Absolutely. I, I noticed that so much more is that the gentler I am in my ask the more compliant my son would be in certain things. Yeah. And that often requires, you know, as a mom to stop multitasking, right? Which is why emotional diffusion is the first part of this because you have to be able to bring down that intense initial reaction you have to be able to control and decide how do I want to communicate differently here? What do I want to do here? Yeah. It's hard because it requires a lot of work to get to that point. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's like, it's sort of like, I I like to equate it to, and I forget where I heard this analogy, like what you're doing right now is a waterfall, right? It's just automatic. It's huge. It's going. What we're trying to create here starts off as like a trickle of water through a mountain. That's a river. But the more water that goes down, the more that you do it, the quicker it'll happen, the more it'll become that river or that waterfall. So it's not, it's tricky, but the more that it's that you're creating that new pathway, you're creating that habit, right? You're sort of carving into the mountain to create this new, better habit. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the third bucket, which is the final leg of the table, is what I like to call, I mean, it's self-confidence, but not like a Vogue article on how to be confident. (laughs) Right. No. (laughs) A lot of us, myself included, like we tend to look to other people or experts, sort of what we were talking about in the beginning. You look to other people for how do I live my life? How should I parent? You outsource. As parents, we outsource our decision-making or, you know, I can even think of the group text that I'm on. What are you guys doing? What do you think of this? You're outsourcing your own internal decision-making to this other group of people that you think or we think knows better. And there's one thing about getting advice and taking that into consideration. So if you think of sleep training, for example, right, there are like well-respected people with PhDs who've done a ton of research on it, but you will find so much evidence to not sleep train. Here are books and evidence and all this research to not sleep train. On the other hand, you will find well-respected people who research and have all this evidence on reasons to sleep train. There is just so much information. So when we outsource our decision-making, we think we're finding the quote-unquote right answer, but there really isn't. And I like to talk about it when you, you're like, we're all fishes in, in like in an ocean and like, do we, we're following the fishes around us and do we like where they're going? Are they going into a shark's mouth? Yeah, good analogy. (laughs) Right? Like, right? Like, are we going into a shark's mouth? So it's like, what do I, based on my values, who I am, who my kids are? And I have a client, right? And we've been working together for a long time. And she recognized this. She said they were at soccer and they didn't know, but one of the squirt bottles, one of the kids thought had water and it had some sort of cleaning chemical. (gasps) And they were, yeah, it squirted at the kid. It got in his eye. The kid's okay. But anyway, she was seeing how the other parent, reacted and disciplined her kid. And she was, you know, for a moment, that's not how she responded. She responded in a different way. It was having that confidence and that ability to be recognized how I am responding and to this and to him and working on this is, is, is good. It's my way. It doesn't have to look like her way. So to have that inner knowing, like I know what's best for me and my kids I think that's really important because a lot of times people second guess themselves in their parenting decisions. So what you're saying essentially is be confident in yourself enough to make decisions that you think are the best decisions for your family at that time. Yeah. And like the confidence to another client, she said, you know, they were at the beach in the summer and they go with this other family. And each year she compares herself to this other mom who loves playing in the sand and building the sand castles. And each summer, this mom is usually like, oh, why can't I be more like her? Like she likes playing with her kids. I should be more like that. She was able to recognize this year. My kids are happy. They're having fun. I'm reading my book. I'm fine. Mm hmm. And and that may seem a little little minor, right? But just that recognition, if she wasn't beating herself up about it or thinking, I need need to be like her. Yeah. She was confident and like, this is fine. I'm good. You know, that you say like that may be minor, but overall it's not because it's one of those like death by a thousand cuts kind of thing. It's like, because if that keeps happening to her over and over and over again, that just in a negative way, it would like suck away your confidence altogether. So like, good for her. Like, yeah, she should keep saying that whether it's, you know, not playing at the beach or, I mean, I'm not going to go through all the examples, but, but I think that's really important for her to, to embrace that and to be self-aware enough to say, look, my kids are happy. They're not begging me to do the same exact things that she's doing. And everyone has to do what works well for them and for their, their own family. 
Yes. Yeah. So when you take those three things, the emotional diffusion, the different communication and the self-confidence and sort of put them together, it creates that like table of that, that what I call emotional management. Yes. It, it's so important because the longer I've been a parent, the more I realize how important this all is. I totally agree. And I feel like when your kids are in the newborn stage, well, that's different. It's, <laughs> I'm not even going to compare that with, with this now. But even like the toddler stage, it's so important to be regulated because they're so dysregulated. And so, <laughs> you know, it's really on you at that point to like regulate yourself while you're trying to regulate them and teach them to regulate themselves too. But, you know, they're babies. It's, it's a work in progress. But especially once you have elementary school kids, middle school kids, like this is so, so important. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that being able to choose and be in control of how you respond just allows you, and it doesn't have to look like the person next door, it just allows you to feel so much more like having your own back in your, in your parenthood Mm -hmm. because it's like authentically how you want it to be. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I love the concept of what you were saying about buying yourself time to think and react accordingly or to buy yourself enough time to answer your child in, in a respectable way, respectful way. And so it really is a matter of pausing when you need to. Yeah. I love that. Yes. I, I think that yes. that's so, so important. So what are some ways that parents can begin to identify our tipping points and then act accordingly? I think that's a really good question. So, you know, Eve Rodsky, who wrote Fair Yeah, Play, she was right? on the you, podcast. Yes. Oh, she, I, yeah. I, she's great. Yeah. But one of the things that she found, which I thought was super fascinating, I mean, obviously there's all this research about how mothers tend to put more time into parenting and the house and everything. But what she found also was that it wasn't just the amount of time that affected their uh, mental health, but it was also the type of tasks they were doing within that time that could affect their mental health. So, and I think that's so important because what we are doing has an effect on how we're, we're feeling in our day-to-day, how we're showing up with our kids, because it's not just the amount of time. So one of the things that I like to talk about is delegating. It's figuring out, and it's so different for everyone. My clients have such different answers. What is it that you like to do the least? In my house, I have my clean laundry in a bin in my closet, and I literally live for my clean laundry bin, and once a month, maybe I'll put it all away. That works for me. For some other people, they're like, nope, I love to fall. I loved that. that like, I like doing that, right? So it's recognizing, okay, if I really were to ask myself, what is it that I like to do the least, or like the things that just, ugh, what are they? And it's the recognition of a good mom doesn't just cook homemade meals every day. A good wife doesn't load and unload the dishwasher multiple times a day. It's these things that we are using to define ourselves as a good mom or a good wife. or so these things should that not, not, aren't true. So when you can identify those things, what can you say no to? I had a client, she was doing laundry for everyone in her home. And she's like, I just don't want to do laundry for my husband anymore. But like, I can't tell him that like he works a lot. I I need to do his laundry. So part of it was sitting down and having a conversation, knowing that he may not be like, yes, this is awesome. I totally want to do this. Like he may not be thrilled, 
But the conversation, I like to say like, hey, I like you. You're my friend conversation. <laughs> like we're, yeah. we're yeah. in this together. I like you. Like let's have this conversation of feeling a little bit overwhelmed. You know, this is one of the things that you could, you know, take on and having that conversation with the understanding of, okay, he may not be happy, but that's okay. I'm doing this for myself and the betterment of, of the family. And even recognizing there are nights where I go upstairs and I have a full sink of dishes and I'm like, I'm going to be happier if I lay down and read and I'll get it done tomorrow. Yes. I do that sometimes too. Like, like soaking a pot after dinner. Like, do I really want to scrub this pot right now? No, I don't. I'm going to go watch Nailed It on Netflix and come back to this tomorrow morning. Right. It's saying no to those things because you don't have to do them and they will get done and it's okay if it's there overnight. Because you know that you're going to be happier and more filled doing something for you. And also this, and I really do want to emphasize also the idea of, it's not that you want to make the people around you angry or unhappy, but putting yourself, making yourself the martyr, I have to, I should, this other person's going to be upset if I do that, just will end up negatively affecting the people around you. 1,000% yes. 1,000% yes. Because I've seen that in previous generations in my family where the mother would would be the martyr of like, I'm the only one that can do this. I'm the only one that has this. And no, it doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be like this. Yes. Yeah. So it's thinking about what don't I want to do? What can I say no to? What can I delegate? Who can I ask this for? I'll, I'll even tell some parents, what can you automate? What can you put on... Amazon subscription delivery, right? Just for this point in time when things are busy, right? What can you automate? There are ways to make this easier because it doesn't all fall on you. It doesn't have to be this way. Yes. It doesn't have to be this way. It really, really doesn't. Stephanie, tell me a little bit about your podcast, The Five Minute Shift for Moms. I want to talk about that. Yes. Oh my goodness. So it's been my baby that I started created in February and it just came from the idea of, I wanted to create something where someone could listen for five minutes and get a quick actionable tip that they could implement and try out and see how it goes, that it could be quick and to the point and they could be in and out. So I've really enjoyed, and I've been getting such great feedback from moms and clients and listeners just saying how easy they are to digest. So it's been really fun. I love it. I love it. What's your favorite one? Oh, that's a good question. I think my favorite one, maybe the first one that I did, and I called it like your family is a business and you, it's really quick. Listen, you'll have to listen to it. But essentially I talk about how creating time with your spouse regularly, just like a business wouldn't run. You would never go into your you know, place of work and not meet with your boss or people that you're managing, like the place would fall apart. Yes. <laughs> right. Like you wouldn't get client deliverables. And so we sort of, I think viewing not your family as a business, but that idea of we're running something here. And if we're not creating time to check in with each other and talk about different things, it makes sense that things fall through the cracks or it may feel like it's falling apart. So that was, it's the first episode. Yeah. So cool. It's definitely like a, a nonprofit organization almost. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> Our families are nonprofit organizations. It's so good. Stephanie, tell everyone where we could find you. 
Yeah, I hang out on Instagram at stephanie.rosenfield. Take a listen to my podcast, The 5-Minute Shift for Moms. And also, I have a bunch of free things you can learn about working with me. Download some free stuff at stephaniercoaching.com backslash consult. I have to say, I love your website. I was playing around with your website the other day, and I was like, oh, is this so beautifully done? Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. So everyone, go check out Stephanie, and uh, thank you for being here today. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.